Today on Crawl Call, it's a celebration of the second season of Eastsiders, the series. Creator Kit Williamson is here to tell us what to expect from the new season, and he'll be joined by two of the stars of the series. Emmy nominee Van Hansis is back as Tom in season two, and he'll dish infidelity, his mile-high crime, and more. Plus, the lovely and devious Brianna Brown joins season two of Eastsiders, and she'll tell us what is in store for her quirky new character. That's what's coming up today on our special Eastsiders edition of Crawl Call. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Kroll Call. I'm your host, Dan Kroll. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to hang out with me here on the show. I'm going to be joined today by some of the cast members of the digital series Eastsiders. It is available as we speak on Vimeo On Demand. Now, I know that's very exciting, but please, as much as we want you to check out Eastsiders, at least wait until the end of this hour because we've got some really great guests in store for you today. Coming up a little later in this special hour, Brianna Brown. You may know her from roles on General Hospital or Devious Maids. She'll be here to talk about a new character. She's a new cast member for season two of Eastsiders. We'll find out how she landed this role and... I'll talk to her a little bit about some of her devious things that she's done in her real life. Coming up in just a bit, Van Hansis will be here. He's a daytime Emmy nominee for his work on As the World Turns. He's also been up to a lot of other things in addition to Eastsiders. We'll find out what those are and, of course, get information about how you can check those out. But we are going to kick off our very special Eastsiders second season premiere kickoff party with the man who is responsible for Eastsiders. He is the creator of Eastsiders. It's Kit Williamson, and he and I had a chance to sit down just a bit ago. So let's take a listen now and welcome Kit Williamson to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be on. Uh, Always glad to have you here. It has been, let me look at my little calendar, three years since last we spoke. So in, oh, you know, a minute or two minutes or so, Tell me everything that's happened in the last three years that we need to know about. <laughs> oh, my God. So much has happened. Well, we finished the whole first season of the show. I believe we spoke last time when the, the show was on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. It was before it even came to Logo. You were correct. So that's actually one of the There's things that so I wanted to get happened. to. How did the Logo uh, airing, how did that all come to pass? I mean, last we spoke, it was season one just getting started. And, you know, here we are, we've got season two that we'll talk about, and Eastsiders is one on Logo. That's kind of amazing. Well, I can tell you that uh, this whole process has been, like, getting struck by lightning over and over and over again in the best possible way, and everybody's in tip. Um, you know, Finding Van was an incredible um, stroke of, of, of luck. And similarly, Finding Brianna this season, we'll get to that in a bit, I'm sure, mm-hmm. but... Logo contacted us 
while we were doing our Kickstarter campaign and right as we started shooting the rest of the first season um, with an interest to pick it up. So that's how we went from YouTube to Logo. And then we went to the cable channel. We came out on DVD and video on demand through Wolf Video. The first season is on Amazon and Hulu and all kinds of different places. And then we reached out to Vimeo On Demand to have the second season premiere as an exclusive with them for a month. That's why the second um, half of the first season is coming out on October 1st, and, uh, or came out on October 1st, and the, uh, the show will be on other digital platforms and DVD through Wolf Video in November. Um, this is really, like, I mean, it's, it's a lot, not in a bad way, just like in, you have to sit and, and listen to all of this, and, and for the folks who are out there who are listening to the interview, it's really kind of amazing how it's all just sort of come together. I'm sure it wasn't as easy as it sounds, but all of what you just said is sounds absolutely amazing. It's really incredible. I, like I said, it's, it's been just lucky break after lucky break, uh, finding this cast, being able to actually execute everything on the budget that we executed it, and then to have it be embraced the way that it, it's been embraced has is, is been just a trip. It's been an amazing, amazing experience, especially for my first time creating anything. It, it, I feel very, very lucky to be in this company. So let's rewind a bit, since this is the really the, the first part here, the kickoff of our Eastsiders Season 2 celebration here on Kroll Call. If I'm not mistaken, you're originally from Mississippi, or am I making that up in my head? That is absolutely true. I'm from Jackson, Mississippi. So growing up, being in, in Mississippi, I mean... In your wildest dreams, was this ever something that you thought would come to pass, or were you sort of like me growing up and had everything visualized and knew what you wanted, just didn't know whether or not it would be possible or not? It's absolutely um, something that I had hoped for my whole life, to be able to be a part of projects like this, to be able to be a professional actor um, and, and to, to have, uh, and honestly, just to broaden it for a second, to, to find the love of my life and, and to live openly as a gay man and to, to and now have the right to marry him, which I'm doing in February. Like that, these are all things that I dreamed of in Mississippi, but I really didn't know if they were possible. Um, you know, so, so the direction that my life has taken is something I, I'm very grateful for, having grown up in a place that wasn't always that accepting. Now, completely unrelated to anything, and, you know, this is an asterisk, this is a hypothetical in case you're, you know, superstitious of any kind. If you had your choice for any type of cake in the world, because when I think of weddings, I'm sorry, the first thing I think of is cake. Um, what's your favorite cake? Oh, my gosh. I, you know, there's, there's a cake that I actually really adore from Amy's Bread in New York. Um... Oh, you know, no, 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 I know what it would be. I know I have to take it all back. Um, I would <laughs> okay. say giant icebox cake. Mm. See, the only dangers of doing this is that when I start talking about food at the beginning of a show, it means I have another, what, 45 minutes or so to have to think about the food that I've been talking about. So I'm going <laughs> to stop thinking about food. And I mean, the folks who are listening, they have the ability to, you know, take the show with them anywhere and run to the refrigerator and get food. So I want to get people caught up. For folks who maybe didn't listen to our last interview or haven't been following along and are now sort of discovering season two of Eastsiders, 
I want to get them sort of tuned in to what is an Eastsider? Now, you've explained this before, but if you'll, you know, oblige me here with this for people who maybe didn't hear the first interview, what does this mean? Sure. Well, Eastsiders is a dark comedy about a gay couple living in Silver Lake, which, uh, depending on where you divide the middle of Los Angeles, a lot of people call the east side of L.A., especially gay people, because we all know what West Hollywood is. I feel like that's, you, you know, a universal symbol for a certain kind of gay guy. And uh, those of us who move east to Silver Lake and Echo Park and, and, and those neighborhoods maybe have a, a little bit of a, let's say, um, dressed down sort of aesthetic, a little bit more laid back, and uh, much more of a diet bar culture than um, the Abbey. Okay. So is there, for folks who, uh, when they're, they're talking about it, is there like a cutoff for people? If you say, oh, I'm from, you say, Silver Lake, is there like a division line where folks will say, oh, well, I'm not going all the way over there, or is it strictly a, a state of mind? It's different for everybody. I've okay. heard east of La Cienega, okay. um, which is kind of like the gateway to West Hollywood. Um, <laughs> and then also this is hotly in debate because there is an East L.A., which is a neighborhood of Los Angeles, and that's east of the L.A. River. A lot of people traditionally say that that's the east side, but people still claim it in Silver Lake Echo Park and Los Chiles. It's actually really debated a lot, and I, I've... Uh, <laughs> part of like an LA Times article about um, people arguing about what the East Side is. Uh, for me, what I'm specifically talking about is less lines on a map and more um, kind of two sides of the gay community or, or specifically, yeah, the gay community in, in uh, Los Angeles. It's always fun to hear how uh, different cities have their sort of geographical or, or otherwise divisions. I know in, in Philadelphia, the original uh, delineation from what was uh, South Philadelphia and not has changed over the years. And there are people who are traditional who will say, if you live below South Street, it's South Philly. And anyway, more than what anybody wanted to know, but I'm trying to you know branch it out so that people, I'm sure, in other parts of, of the country who are listening will be able to wrap their head around this. One of the things that I wanted to make sure that we get to in the process of this discussion is to find out how has being uh, an independently produced series, how has that changed? How has the approach changed from, say, 2012 to 2015? It's only three years. It may not sound like a long time, but in terms of online content, it's like dog years, I'd, I'd imagine. It's, it's more than just three years. Well, there's so many more shows out there now. And I actually have, um, my production company has a, a boutique PR and consulting side of it where we work with content creators. And having seen just how much more um, there is out there in terms of storytelling is incredibly exciting, but it's also a challenge for people who are just starting to independently produce things because you've got to really work hard and think uh, as hard as you can about how you can uh, stand out from the crowd. Uh, I'm looking here as we're talking, and folks have been submitting questions on Twitter, and one that sort of uh, plays into what we were just talking about before with, you know, East Side, West Side, is from Faye, who wants to know, are you concerned about how the gay characters you portray are perceived by the LGBT community? That's a really interesting question, and it's something I've been thinking a lot about, 
because some of the worst backlash that we've gotten from, let's say, the more drunk and slutty actions of the characters <laughs> has been from gay men. Uh, not wanting to see gay people um, uh, represented in a way that's not wholly flattering. And to that I say, well, you're going to really boring story if all you're going to see is a bunch of gay men sitting around making good decisions and shaking hands. You know, like, that's not storytelling to me. That's not what draws me to stories. I want to find out about people's flaws. I want to find out about people's struggles and, and the ways in which they're not perfect and see how they collide and have conflict and yet sleep with each other and get drunk and make mistakes. You know, that's much more interesting to me um, and I, I, I reject the idea that as an LGBT filmmaker, I have some sort of responsibility to um, create role models in the gay community. This is a dark comedy. The whole first season is about infidelity and abortion. Like, this, is not, um, this is not about people who have their lives fully figured out. This is about people um, struggling to do the right thing and to be good people, not people who are already there. My argument for that, or my question, I suppose, to be for that, wouldn't the very idea of being able to be inclusive and in telling any sort of story, whether it's about uh, slutty and abortion and such, or whether it's, uh, you know, upstanding individuals, isn't that in itself sort of groundbreaking? I mean, the fact that you can be to a point where you can have a character, regardless of, of sexual identity, be one way or the other, I think that's more of a statement than having to be. And, and Van and I uh, have talked in the past, you know, there for a while on soaps, all of the stories with, with that involved gay characters were about conversion therapy or reversion therapy, whatever the, the kids are calling it nowadays. That was like, if you had a gay character, that's what you had to do. Um, and we sort of come to a different place where now you don't have to do one thing. You can sort of do whatever you want. I think that's more telling and more something more to sort of, you know, sound from the, the, the alarms about. Yeah, I'm not trying to present any big ideas about the gay community. You know, I'm really just trying to explore a handful of characters and their relationships. I mean, this is a relationship dramedy. It's very much about how we connect with other people, and I think that that's universal, and hopefully people watching the show can identify with Cal and Tom, whether they're gay or straight, because they're just trying to, uh, to do the right thing in their relationship and figuring it out as they go. If folks go to eastsidersTheSeries.com and click on About, the first thing that they're presented with is a question, and it is, is being in love enough of a reason to stay together? Kit, is being in love enough of a reason to stay together? What is your thought about that? I don't know the answer to that question. I, I think that um, my gut would actually be to say no. I think that you have to have uh, more than feeling to form the foundation of a relationship. How was your approach then from season one, from, you know, certainly at the time, the, the whole having series online, while not brand new, was still something that was developing. And now in 2015, when, uh, you know, a lot of people have come up with formulas to be able to make uh, online programming more viable, whether it be through crowdsourcing or whether it's being able to have a better idea of where expenses are or having people who are now familiar with putting together content and can, can do it and have done it. How was your approach for season two different 
than it was for season one. Well, season two is actually much more traditional than season uh Season, season two is a lot more traditional than season one was in the sense that it's standardized half-hour episodes. Uh, there's six of them, so it's really like a half-season pickup of a cable show. Um, and it's a large ensemble cast. It, you know, it, it's, it's following more of a professional format, and that was something we wanted to challenge the show to do. Um, so that's that's kind of the, the big kind of level up that the show has had in season two. There's a lot of the show, and there's a lot more happening in the show. Um, but with uh, with the difference in terms of like shooting it, it's the same struggle. You know, you're always trying to make something bigger and better than your budget. Hmm. You know, so that that's definitely the challenge of uh, of shooting anything for this little money. One of the things that is different about season two is the addition of the always lovely Brianna Brown. How did this come about? Brianna Brown actually went to high school with my fiance John Hallback, who plays Ian in the show. Folks will hear later on in the course of this show the Brianna explain about this a, a little bit more, but she told me that she was originally kind of thrown by the idea of playing Hillary because she says that she's always been used to playing characters that are sort of put together, and this was different for her. What was your reaction to hearing that, or is this the first time that you're hearing that? Well, that's actually something I said to her, that I didn't initially... I've always really admired Brianna as an actress. I think she's obviously incredible. Uh, but I didn't initially think of her for the role, just as I was brainstorming um, you know, different people that I would want to work with with this character, because she is so put together and does play such put together people. And then I realized, oh yeah, she's an actress and a damn good one. Let's see what, what she thinks about the idea of playing this crazy unhinged hipster girl who's been living in basically like a, like a a commune in Portland. (laughs) Like what, um, what would her version of that be like? And it it turned out that she perfectly embodied the character and brought so much to it that I didn't expect and, and really, I, I couldn't have asked for more of anybody for uh, for playing Hillary. She is Hillary to me now. Someone else who is continuing with Eastsiders is someone who I would say that uh, television fans as a whole have gotten to know over the past year or so. Constance Wu, who is on Fresh Off the Boat right now, who is hilarious and somehow was not nominated for an Emmy for that show. Don't know how. Um, what I mean, it's a totally different role playing Kathy to uh, I can't think of her character's name on Fresh Off the Boat, which is I mean, it's fun to be able to see the range for being familiar with someone on one show and then watching them somewhere else and finding out that you know they've got a whole other different uh, uh, talent that they can bring to the table. Totally, totally. I mean, I remember when she was auditioning for the role on Fresh Off the Boat. Um, you know, like not. Like, I remember I first heard it, and I was like, really? Wow, a mother of three? Jeez. And then to see how she's embodied that has been kind of the, exactly what we're talking about with, with, with Brianna. It's like, Constance could not be less like her character on Fresh Off the Boat. And so it's so cool to see um, the two very, very different um, sides of the equation here between her role on Fresh Off the Boat and her role on Eastsiders. She couldn't be more different. 
I would like for you, as I'm watching our clock here on this particular segment, I need for you to tell everyone all of the places that they can get information about Eastsiders, where they can go to watch it, where they can go for more information, where they can go on the Twitter machine, all of the things that people need to know. Absolutely. So you should definitely check out EastsidersTheSeries.com. It has links to all our social media and everywhere that you can watch both seasons of the show. For the month of October, Eastsiders Season 2 and Season 1 are going to be available on Vimeo On Demand. That's going to be the only place that you can watch Season 2 until November when we come out on DVD and video on demand through Wolf Video, which you can find all the information about on our website. Now, our social media handles are Eastsiders The Series on Facebook and Eastsiders TV on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Kit Williamson and uh, Instagram as well. Same thing, at Kit Williamson. Now that we've gotten all of that out of the way, it is time for something that we like to do when we devote an hour to a particular series. We're doing, calling this sort of a, a premiere, uh, season premiere kickoff party. We invite our guests to pick a song that they feel best embodies their character or maybe their series as a whole. So, Kit, it is your turn now, since you're first up, to tell us what song you've selected and why. I've selected the song Map of the World by Daniel Zajcek. It's featured in the show and in the trailer for the show, and I listened to this song just on repeat when I was writing the series. It's really uh, evocative of Cal and Tom's relationships and, and just the struggle to connect with other people. Uh, that's what I love about it. And also, um, it plays a really important role in the series, as does another one of Daniel's songs, uh, which closes out the whole first season, Summer Young and Golden. So I, I would definitely um, name check Map of the World for this. Well, we're going to play a little bit of that now. But, Kit, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out to chat. And you have an early invitation for when Season 3 comes out to come back, and we'll do it all again. Oh, my God, that would be amazing. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Move my hand With your hand Hey, draw a map Draw a map of the world Wild at first We flatten the earth Moving like a Ouija board Spell the map, spill the world Draw it all, big and small Steep high, deep canyon Draw it all, draw it all In front of us I saw it Words. You drew it all 
hard to fold up again Easy to unfold Hard to fold up was Map of the World here on our Eastsiders special. Joining me now is a multiple Emmy nominee for his work on the long-running soap As the World Turns. In addition to his acting, Van Hansis is also a director and a producer with a bunch of new projects that I'm thrilled we're going to be able to talk about coming up. But in the meantime, Van, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So it has been about three years since last we talked. In, say, oh, 90 seconds or so, fill us in <laughs> on everything that has happened in the last three years. <laughs> wow, three years. All right, that's a long time. Um, well, I'm in Eastsiders now, which is very exciting, um, as you know. Um, and then I'm also, I have a film right now called Kiss Me, Kill Me, which is uh, going and hitting the festival circuit. It's a, um, it's a West Hollywood noir. I kind of describe it as uh, Hitchcock meets John Waters. It's um, the story of a, a young man played by me who gets in a very public fight with his boyfriend and then he somehow becomes unconscious. He wakes up and his boyfriend's death and he has to figure out who killed his boyfriend and if it even possibly was him. Um, so it's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. It uh, premiered in Chicago. Um, at the Reeling Film Festival, and now is hitting up numerous other cities. Um, we were just in Tampa with it. We're going to Atlanta later this week, Fort Lauderdale, Pittsburgh, Winston-Salem, Seattle, I think. Um, I hope I'm not forgetting any, but keep an eye out for it. It's called Kiss Me, Kill Me. Um, it's really, really quite cool. Before you move and, on, though, that also mm-hmm. has, for folks who that has follow a lot it, of Eastsiders. And it has uh, Shangela from RuPaul's Drag Race. Shangela, yes. Yes, it's got Chandler from Drag Race. From Eastsiders, Kid is in it, as well as Brianna, and they're both um, amazing. Um, Jay Rodriguez is in it, who's also in Eastsiders. So it's got a lot, it's got a really great cast. Uh, Gail Harold is in it, um, Yolanda Ross, a lot of really, really wonderful people. Craig Robert Young. Um, so it, we uh, we shot that in L.A. Um, 
in January, and it was a blast. And I'm, I'm so excited that it's out hitting the festivals now and getting such a good response. If folks don't live anywhere near where these festivals are, do we know if there are plans for everyone else to be able to see it, or do they need to try to find a way to get to these festivals? Um, no, there will definitely be, um, in the future, um, uh, it'll be on different platforms. Um, I'm not exactly sure what those are, but, you know, it's not just going to do the festivals and then, and then never be heard of again. So, um, you can follow it on Facebook, um, at Kiss Me, Kill Me, um, and they, when, when things are ready to be announced, they will announce them there. Perfect. And we also have Misguidance. Yes, Misguidance is a web series, or a series, um, that I co-created uh, and co-directed with the wonderful Melody Sis, the producer of some really fantastic films. Um, and it follows the story of Jenny Bump, who is a uh, kind of a failed actress um, who uh, has a nervous breakdown on the New York stage after not getting a role and is forced to return to the performing arts boarding school she attended in her youth to act as the interim guidance counselor. Um, so it's kind of dealed with um, the perceptions of fame and, um, you know, what happens when you grow up and you have to readjust your dreams to the reality that you live in. It's really funny. I'm super proud of it. We shot um, this summer in uh, Native Massachusetts at my former high school, um, Walnut Hill School for the Arts, and um, it's currently in post-production, and I'm so excited to get it out there, and that'll be sometime in 2016. Just out of curiosity, is this something that actors maybe have as a, uh, in the back of their mind of having this epic breakdown, just sort of, <laughs> I, I think oh. I would like to see it, you know, getting up on stage and just going off. To me, I mean, I, I, to see I, that. Always, I, I always have dreams, like if, if I was going to never, ever work again and, and, and knew that like, you know, like. I was going to go out, I would go out with a bag, I don't know what I'd do, but I would love to be like, I've always had this dream of like being in a play and being on stage and just constantly acting like I didn't know why people, why people were at, like talking to me, like, like just like somebody says they're lying to you and, and just, just stare at them and be like, what? Why are you saying that thing? You know, like I would love to have a, um, I mean, in theory, I would love to have a epic breakdown on on, um, on stage, but it would be a controlled epic breakdown. If I had a real epic breakdown on stage, I don't think that would be so much fun. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of actors are like, oh, what? You know, it's just it's so it's so ripe with possibility to to ruin everything. Um, I would never do that, but you know, I think I think it's in the back of actors' heads at certain points. I think about doing that sometimes during the course of the show, just being like, you know what? Blah! Uh, it just... Yeah, exactly. I think everybody <laughs> in their life at some point, like, like, I think everybody, just no matter what you do, like, the idea of just breaking the rules and, like, kind of shutting down expectations of who you are and, and, and what you do and, and, you know, what little box you're in, I think that I think that that's an appealing thought, and I think that's why so many uh, good projects and scripts and stuff, you know, are about people breaking down because it's a universal, um, it's a universal thing. Like people, people have breakdowns or they teeter close to the edge of breakdowns, um, 
a lot in life, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, un- unfortunately, I mean, for better or for worse, yeah, I think there's yeah. a lot of that. So, but, so it's, yeah, so it's like, it's, you know, we're really ripe for, for art. With art, let's move on to the next topic. We have to talk about Eastsiders Season 2. For folks who are listening who maybe haven't caught up on Season 1 yet, let me give you the opportunity to, in your words, give them sort of a, a quick recap of what they missed in Season 1 so that we can get them to be ready now for Season 2, now that it's on Vimeo On Demand. All right. Well, Season 1 um, introduced us to most of the major characters. Um, I play Tom, who is the boyfriend of Cal, who's played by Kit Williamson. And Season 1 really um, deals with the aftermath of infidelity um, specific to, to the couple that we play. Um, it's a dark comedy that takes place in Silver Lake. Um, and uh, Cal finds out that his boyfriend has been cheating on him. And it, the, the entire series, the entire season kind of um, unravels from that event. Um, and, you know, what, what does Cal do with this information? And as a couple, how do they move forward um, with Cal learning of Tom's infidelity? One of the fans, uh, one of the many fans who contacted us uh, is Danny Blondie. Hopefully I'm pronouncing the name properly. Question says, can you ask Van who he feels is more Tom's soulmate? Is it Cal or Jeremy? Or do you think Tom is still searching for his soulmate? Um, I would say it's Cal. Um, I would say after everything, uh, Jeremy is, is the guy who Tom cheats, cheats, cheats on Cal with. And I think he has a lot of, he has a real connection to Jeremy. Um, but I think that throughout everything, I think going into the second season, you'll see that um, despite the characters' problems and the problems within their relationship, there's something that keeps bringing Tom and Cal back together. Um, and I think that, you know, sometimes you, you hear about people in relationships, or you are in a relationship where you keep going back to somebody who's not good for you, and you, you know, you, but you keep going back. But I think I think in a way, even though it's incredibly complicated, I think Cal and Tom are good for each other. And so there's something very positive that keeps bringing them back towards each other. So I would say that Cal is, is Tom's soulmate. There is a belief, again, uh, be it right or wrong, but there's a belief that's out there that it's very difficult for men in general to be faithful, to be monogamous. You bring in the fact that you have two men, and there is a belief that gay men cannot be committed and be in faithful, just monogamous relationships. You hear it a lot of places. Some people argue that that's just sort of a cop-out. So that leads me to the question of, do you think that cheating is a good reason for ending a relationship? I think that cheating is a good reason for ending a relationship. I think that, I think that it can be. Um, I think it depends on what your relationship is and what is defined as cheating in your relationship. I think because in, with certain couples uh, in open relationships or, you know, who have made rules, you can be sexual with somebody else and still that's not considered cheating. Whereas, you know, like if you break one of those rules, that is cheating. Um, so I think, I think that, I think cheating is, it's more than cheating, it's deception. Um, and I think that, Deception is definitely um, a reason to break up. 
Um, I mean, I've had friends who have been in relationships when, when there's been cheating and, and, you know, they've stayed together and they've broken up. Um, but I think, <laughs> excuse me, I think that, um, at least for me, it's like, why cheat? Why, why deceive the person who you're supposed to love? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think there's also, you know, it's, it's gray. It's a gray, it's not black and white. Um, and I think in season, in season two of East Fighters, we really, you know, we go into that. We, um, we explore what, what is being faithful, um, you know, in today's age. How has the process of creating a digital series, of creating a web series changed, in your opinion, from 2012 to now here in 2015? Well, I think it's an evolution, um, for sure, and I think it's evolving um, in a really great way for for content creators. Um, I think that the web is kind of like the new bastion of independent filmmaking. Um, Mm. You can get stuff out there and you can get it seen, um, you know, for not all that much money. That being said, I think the hardest thing right now um, is finding platforms where it will be seen. You know, you can make something wonderful, but if nobody sees it, then, you know, you're, you're making content for people. You're making content to share. You're not making content just to, you know, watch it with your mom and your dad. I mean, maybe you are, but, like, I, I think that looking for um, viable platforms and viable homes for independent, um, independently created projects, uh, you know, that's, that's really where I'm... With, with misguidance, we haven't really started that search yet, but, you know, from talking with Kit and, and talking with other, you know, creators who have made stuff, it's, you know, we, we need um, platforms to... to get our projects out there. And I think they're being made, and I think that, you know, sometimes the, it has to catch up with how much content is being made. And once people see that, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, especially a lot of young people, are going to the Internet to uh, get their entertainment fix, I think, you know, somebody is going to come up with something great and, 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 and make a platform for that. I mean, that being said, you now have, you know, you have, Netflix, which in Hulu, which are making their own original content. Um, you have wonderful uh, outlets like Vimeo, which are, are buying creators' content. Um, and, you know, there's, it's, it's coming. It's, it's on the up and up, and that's really exciting. It's time for the speed round. These are just random questions sure. that have popped into my head. We know that you are an East Coaster originally. Do you think you could ever yeah. be a West Coaster? Um, I have been. I'm actually in L.A. right now. I'm sitting in my friend's apartment, and I'm looking out over the hills and the Hollywood sign, and it's beautiful. And I, I love coming back um, to L.A. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm very happy on the East Coast, um, but, you know, I would, I, I would really live anywhere. Good answer. If you were not in entertainment, what would you be doing? Uh, I would be um, probably an editor at Marvel Comics. Oh, that's a that's a good job. All right, it's really specific. It's really specific. I would do I would do something in um, in the comic book field. Okay, this is a question that I had for Brianna since she was on Devious Maids last season. Have you ever stolen anything off of the maid cart in a hotel? No, I haven't. Oh, you're not. I 
guess I'm the boring, who, right? Who knew? I'm the one that I has. Mean, like, this... What do you mean, like a towel? <laughs> sure, a towel. You know, a bar of soap, some mouthwash, anything. You know, just walking by, a bottle of water. Oh no, but I have done that. I've I've stolen um, a bottle of water from a, uh, you know, the when the flight attendants push their things through. Oh, that's not really. That's uh, that's borrowing. I mean, that's it's, not really. It's not really stealing, but it made me feel really, you know, uh, <laughs> devious. <laughs> we will, you know, we send out the the police to let them know where to find you. I guess so. Look yeah, exactly. for the Hollywood sign. Exactly. What's the last yeah. thing you've been binge watched? I am binge watching Portlandia right now. I have been. I, I'm. I've been on the road a lot the last uh, couple days. And um, I have missed the last, like, four seasons of Portlandia, so I've been binge-watching Portlandia, and it's so funny. You've mentioned Marvel. If you had a superpower, yeah. what would your superpower be? My superpower would be uh, uh, probably telekinesis, which Ooh. is the ability to move things with your mind. The downside, I thought about this. The downfall is that would make you incredibly lazy. You would not get up and walk across the room to get anything. You just think about it. The, the upside of that is, with that power, which is a very cool power, you can also fly because you can just like think, levitate yourself. Um, so it would probably be telekinesis um, or um, mind control. Like, like not really telepathy. Like I don't want to read people's thoughts. I would just, I think, I'd explain. But um, being able to control um, people's mind, which makes me sound like a um, kind of a terrible person because, you know, you're taking away free will from people, but I would I would like that as a superpower. I mean, if you had the mind control, you could have convinced the flight attendant to give you the water and you wouldn't have had to steal it, so I can see this. Exactly, but I mean, I, I think if I just asked her for the bottle of water, she would have given it to me. I think it was, I think it was just that it was there, and I was like, hey, hey I'm going to be a bad boy. <laughs> On American Airlines. Oh, now I'm told what airline it is. Uh, well, you know, I mean, there's, there are many, many flights a day. I'm sure that, you know, well, they won't track you down. Nobody listens. No one, no one will hear this. Uh, all right. Before we get to finding out what song you've picked, uh, let everybody know where they can find you. Where they can, well, not literally, because uh, they'll find you in, in American Airlines, but on social media, on the internet, where can people go to get more information about what you're up to? Do you do the Twitter? Give us the information. Yes. Um, I do the Twitter, but I'm not like a Twitter maestro. Um, but that is Van Hansis one the number one. Um, and then my Instagram, which I, I actually really, really enjoy Instagram. I'm, I'm a um, I love the Instagram. That's Van dot Hansis. That's Van period Hansis, like not written Van GFC, but Van period Hansis. And my Facebook is Van Hansis. So that's boring. <laughs> it's fine. I think it's easy to find people. All of mine are the yeah, same. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, somebody else took Van Hansis for Twitter and Instagram. So, you know, you have to try to get creative. Hmm. Do we know, is it a fake you or is it somebody who just happens to have the... I mean, unless I have, like, multiple personality, because I don't think, I mean, I don't think there's another Van Hansis on uh, the planet. I mean, I've Googled my name, and nothing else but me comes up, so no, I'm looking, maybe there's a... This person who has uh, at Van Hansis, which is not the real account for those of you out there listening, this person has not tweeted ever, 
and they have so they, 138 followers. So, well, so it was great. They just made it hard for me. They just made things a little bit harder for me. Thank you. Let's see what I can do about getting them shut down. Uh, anyway, I'll use that's going to be my superpower: getting people shut down. So let's shut find down out. on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it makes me feel powerful. We are asking yeah, exactly. everyone this hour to pick a song that they think best represents their character, or perhaps Eastsiders as a whole. I'm very, very interested to find out, Van Hansis, what you have picked. So, give me the reasons. Give, right. me, give me the song and why. All right. So I have picked "Time After Time" by Cindy Lauper. Okay, I All mean right. it's a classic, classic song. Now, why have it's you chosen this song. song? I have chosen this song because I was kind of put on the spot right before we started this interview. I was reminded <laughs> that I had to have a song, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Um, so my, my as I was talking to you, my my little brain was reeling, and so I picked. Right, I picked "Time After Time" um, because. It's kind of about, um, you know, it's like when you're lost, there's something, and you will find me time after time. And I think that that's what kind of happens with Tom and Cal, is that they get lost from each other, and they come back to each other, and they get lost from each other. And, and even in the, in the space of, like, one episode, they get lost from each other and come back to each other. And so I think, I think there's that. I also, Cindy, Cindy Lauper is a gay icon, and it's mm-hmm. a gay show, so I think there's that. And um, those are my two reasons. <laughs> I was sold after the first one. I like that. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a listen to Time After Time right now. But, Van, I want to thank you so much for coming back. It's been three years. We'll try to, you know, make it a a, a less long break the next time. Definitely. Definitely. All right, gang. Let's take a listen to Time After Time, and then we'll be back with Brianna Brown. Stay tuned. Thank you. 
My next guest has appeared in pretty much all of your favorite television shows. Brianna Brown played bad girl Lisa Niles on General Hospital, and she recently wrapped up a very memorable season on Devious Maids. She is joining Eastsiders for its second season. Brianna, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So, you know, this is interesting, Brianna. You know, you, you think you know someone. Uh, we've we talked. It's been about two years or so since we last talked. You know, you think you know someone. And then I read your bio and came across something that really kind of surprised me. Hmm. It says, and you know, it's, it's on your page. If it were anywhere else on the Internet, Brianna, I might not believe it, but it's on your website, so I, I have to believe it. It said that you sort of got on your current path by flipping through the yellow pages and making cold calls? Yes. How is it? I did. Take me back to this, and this is at the age of 14, so take me back and tell me exactly how a 14-year-old comes up with this idea and what you did. Well, <laughs> um, I've always had a tendency to think outside the box, um, for better or for worse, I guess. And uh, when I was 14, I decided I wanted to be an actress, even though I had never seen anybody be a professional artist. I never saw anyone make a living as an artist, period. Um, and I knew male, females, or males that were professional actors. I lived in the suburbs of Minnesota, um, in Apple Valley, uh, Minnesota. Um, and... So I knew that there were some talent agencies downtown Minneapolis, St. Paul, and so I decided I wanted to be an actress. Therefore, the next logical step was I'm going to look through the yellow pages. Now, this is before the internet. I'm sure shocking for most people. We have lost um, people. They're like, yellow pages, what? But we'll explain what exactly. those are some other time. Okay. There was a thing, there was a book that was delivered to everyone's house like once a year that was called the yellow pages and it had a lot of pages and a lot of phone numbers and uh, it had a lot of business references. Anyway, so essentially it was, it was a very small version of the internet, just local. So I uh, ended up taking that, looking through uh, the different companies and I found talent agencies. So I just started calling them at 14. I, I literally distinctly remember sitting on my bed, uh, looking around. I was in my pink room that had unicorn pictures. <laughs> and I, literally, because I love unicorns. And I was calling them, and I was asking them, how do I become a professional actress? And then I just started taking notes. Like, oh, well, you need a headshot. I was like, oh, okay. Well, what's a headshot? Like, I just started asking these people all these questions. And I don't know if they were just, you know, shocked that some kid was calling, and and I found that the procedure in Minneapolis was um, for the local talent agencies um, that you would submit a photo, and then they would look at it like every few months. So uh, I got into a smaller agency, and I I took some like modeling classes, which you know, <laughs> probably a scam for most people. <laughs> like, but I did. I learned how to do things that I mean, I'm never gonna learn. I'm never gonna like professionally walk the uh, be a catwalk uh, model because I'm not tall enough. But, you know, we learned things like that. I learned how to put on the makeup. Like, uh, you know, wonderful girly things that I, I, I was more of an athlete. So, I, I mean, I, I did get a lot of value out of those things. But I ended up kind of uh, slowly getting my way into uh, the model talent agencies. And I just was really persistent with the top ones, uh, the top agencies. And I ended up speaking with my theatrical, I'm sorry, my, uh, my theater teacher, and she had been repped 
uh, with one of the top agencies in Minnesota because Minnesota actually had a really strong theater program. And I just kind of knew if I can somehow get into a theatrical uh, agent in, in Minneapolis, then maybe I can find my way to Los Angeles or whatever, even though I didn't really know what that looked like. So that's that's how that began. A question with that. Now, were you doing this with your parents' permission, or were you doing this under the radar that no one knew you were doing this? I literally had, again, this is going to be a reference that I'm going to lose some people. There was a rotary phone <laughs> in my bedroom. Because I didn't have the remoteless phone. You know, like, I didn't have that one. I got the rotary one. So, yeah, so I sat there, and I just started calling them. And then I told my parents I had a meeting. <laughs> I mean, I've just always been, I had, uh, I've always had, uh, I don't know, just, they're like, uh, okay, Brianna, because I'm, I'm very um, stubborn, <laughs> and that has a wonderful uh, positive attribute, that obviously has, you know, the back of the hand of that can be, uh, can be negative sometimes, but they just knew, like, well, if we don't, she's going to do it anyway. <laughs> I want to, I mentioned in the introduction, I mentioned Devious Maids. Have to talk about it at least a little bit. You were back for, what was it, the third season, and it was crazy and wild. Uh, It must have been good because the show has been renewed for a fourth season, but um, there was a whole lot going on this season. I know. It was really fun, and it was really fun with my storyline because Taylor Stafford, the character that I played on Devious Maids, she was involved with the murder mystery. So the uh, mystery happened in my household. So it was all about my character trying to cover up what happened, was she involved, what happened to Blanca, uh, who was played by Naya Rivera, um, you know, what happened with, why are there limbs showing up throughout, throughout town and um, not knowing who to trust. Was there ever a point in all of this that you thought, um, maybe my character is involved in this somehow? Or did you know the story from the beginning? No, we were always given really uh, broad strokes. Because, A, they don't want you to be giving it away, indicating what's going to happen next. B, they don't want it to get out, because let's be honest, most people aren't great at keeping keeping secrets. (laughs) Um, uh, And that would ruin the show, right? Um, and third, they haven't finalized, you know, exactly who the murder is going to be because they're writing it as they go. Um, they're obviously, you know, multiple episodes in advance and they have ideas as to who it's going to be, but it's not, you know, completely ironed out. I didn't know if I was going to be involved. I have to be honest, I love playing villains, so I kind of hoped that I was going to have done bad, really bad things. But <laughs> for my character. <laughs> There's still time. She, I mean, she did, but she didn't. I was like, eh. Yeah. Uh, they're hacking guy apart <laughs> i have to say i had my i my finger pegged on someone and it turned out that i was wrong uh, i always like to be surprised at the end um yeah, yeah. I, I was way off the mark so with that fourth season you know things are i mean we're still way early on do you think that we might ever see taylor and or katie again what are your thoughts would you like for us to see her again is maybe a better question well, I, I mean, the character's so fun, but at the end of the season, she takes off. Mm-hmm. She's in a wig, she, incognito, with her daughter, who, you know, changes her name to Rosie, which is very cute. Um, and uh, I think that she may show up to some extent. How much, I don't know. I mean, I know in season two, I came back, and, 
you know, for a brief reprise. So they could definitely write some stuff in, but contractually, you know, that's all to, to be determined. Well, but they're known that, that those writers are known for bringing weaving characters back in and you know focusing on other storylines. So it's a big ensemble cast, so it's really to go anywhere. Well, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed. I know people would definitely like to see you there. But if until then, until anything happens there, season two, Eastsiders. How did you become a part of Eastsiders? Well. John Hallback, who uh, is is one of the actors in it, uh, and is engaged to Kit Williamson. Kit is uh, is the lead and also uh, the creator of Eastsiders. Um, uh, John and I actually went to high school together, so we were in middle school and high school together. We were in speech and choir and and uh, and theater together. So we've known each other, obviously, a long time, and. Uh, I met Kit through John, and when Kit started telling me about Eastsiders, um, actually, he thought about me for Kiss Me, Kill Me, which is another like LGBT project um, for a role, and we discussed that. And then he was um, trying to figure out the cast for uh, Eastsiders too, and he and he was having trouble figuring out who he wanted to play Hillary. And then he thought of me, and I normally play characters that are uh, a little more put together. So he didn't originally think of me, but then he remembered that I'm an actor. This is what he said. This is why I can say it. Uh, he's like, oh, yeah, Brianna, she's an actor. She, she can play this quirky, zany, <laughs> hot mess of a girl. She's funny. So, uh, it, you know, so he asked me if I would be interested, and I said, yes, I would love to. I would love to play this girl who's just lost and, you know, follows her heart in the wrong direction and jumps into relationships when she should be paying attention to some red flags and should be looking, you know, that lacks really any self-awareness. Um, and she's just really this quirky, lovable, hot mess. And so that's how I got involved with that. And it was just so much fun because, you know, it's, it's rare that you get to play with your friends on set. And the fact that I've known them for so long and then Van... Uh, I I worked with on Kiss Me Kill Me, so we got we got along like all of us. It was just it, it was play. It was absolute play. So you say that the character of Hillary lacks self awareness. Is this going to be? Uh, what do you think will be the viewer reaction? Will it be uh, people just shaking their head and saying, "Oh, you know, here she goes again"? Or do you think that they'll be you know yelling out to their screen and saying, you know? Walk away! Walk away! What do you think uh, sort of the reaction will be to her uh, eccentricities? I think everyone can relate to the girl who's in her, you know, mid to late 20s that really is lost. And you just love them and you just want them to figure it out and stop making the same mistakes over and over again. So I think there's something really relatable and heartwarming about her, despite her her character flaw, um, which is, you know, the fact that she's just not coping well. <laughs> and you see that in the first episode when she's literally lying on the ground outside of his apartment on her suitcase, sleeping. <laughs> and then he comes up to the front door and she jumps into his arms, like crying, and, and you know, is on a is on a rant about what what's been going on in her life, and she and you know. Uh, he's just crazy in like the most lovable way. 
You mentioned that you're used, not used to playing characters that aren't so put together. What was it like for you then playing this particular type of character, playing Hillary, who is uh, sounds like she's sort of all over the place at times? It was great. It was so I felt like I had so much freedom. Um, you know, you'll see in later episodes where I just start making because Hillary loves music and she's terrible at it. She's really terrible. So like, you know, she, you just, these, just these moments that are just so insane. Like she, she wants to, she's just doing crazy, uh, zany things. And it was just so fun because I had so much freedom. My, I would just say, I would just show Kit an idea and they're like, yeah, that works great. I'm like, perfect. Let's, uh, let's have her do this. Um, and it just, it just got to be very, uh, almost improv-like. Uh, despite staying, staying on the dialogue. Well, with that, it brings us to a speed round. These are random questions that I thought of just for you that sort of tie into all of the things that we've talked about today. If you're ready, okay. here we go. Have you oh, ever, my God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have you ever taken something off of the maid cart in a hotel? I'm sure like a soap or something, something, you know, little. I've taken water, I've taken a towel, I've taken all sorts of stuff. I'm just admitting it, uh, allegedly, hypothetically, this is, you know, no yeah, crimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. What is your least favorite household chore? Oh, cleaning toilets. Ooh, mm-mm. So, do you have someone clean your toilet for you, or do you, you know, put on the 10-foot-long the rubber gloves and, and uh, Clorox the hell out of it? <laughs> You know, I got to be real with you. I, I do have someone come in. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I'm fine with that because let me tell you. But uh, I've done my chores. I'm a good Minnesota girl. All right. All right. And, and, you know, the way I justify it is I sit in traffic in Los Angeles for a long time. So I can give myself a little, a little, a little household help. Otherwise, I would never get anything done. <laughs> I'm actually fine with that. I like the thought behind it. You know, the, that two hours, three hours in traffic is two hours you could have spent cleaning your toilet. But, you know, hey, I get it. Okay. Next yeah. question. If you had to change your last name to your favorite color, what would your new name be? Oh. Oh. Ooh. I guess Brianna Black, but that sounds kind of silly. But Brianna, I like the color black. I don't really have a favorite color. Brianna Black. I actually, that sounds very dramatic. I mean, you know, like... Yeah, it does. I feel like I should be like a superhero or a porn star. <laughs> or a super porn star that could combine the two. I love it. I'm a superhero porn star. <laughs> what is the last TV show that you've binge watched? Mm, 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 ga oh, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. What's uh, how many episodes in a row are we talking? I think I was pretty behind. So I think I stayed up really late one night. Oh my goodness, it was like two or three in the morning. That's how shows you how lame I am. Uh, but I stayed up until like two or three in the morning just watching them back to back. I think I had watched like probably six. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's good. I like that. Okay. Last yeah. question in the speed round. This is just uh, uh, setting this up. The Pope was here in Philly recently. People were camping out for, you know, 12 hours to have a chance to see the Pope. The new iPhones have been mm -hmm. released. People camp out overnight to, uh, you know, get the iPhones. When Star Wars comes back, I know that people are going to be camping out for days and days and days to, to get tickets for the first show, if people still do that. Yeah. I say all of that to get to 
What is the longest you've ever stood in line for something? Oh, boy. Have I don't you... have a lot of patience. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I don't have patience. I don't have that much patience. You know what? The longest time I've probably stayed in line is for the Hollywood Cemetery. Um, you, you, know, you get there like at least an hour plus. Or, you know, when you go on those silly rides at, like, Disneyland, you end mm -hmm. up waiting so long, but you really want to go mm -hmm. on, you know, the mountain, whatever it one is, and it's super long. So, so I would say either that or, um, yeah, those are the two. I, I think that those are, those are reasonable to me. So before we get into the big song selection... Let everyone know, Brianna, how can they find you? Where are you on social media? Where are you on websites? Where can people track you down to get more information about what you're up to? Okay, brilliant. Um, well, my official website is brianna-brown.com. And uh, you can join my little newsletter. Uh, and then you'll be kept up. I don't spam. <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want people to feel like it's spam. So I, I do that very rarely when there's stuff that's worth that I feel is really uh, worth updating. Um, so that's not very often, but, uh, but it is a great way to stay uh, in touch with what I'm doing and what my next projects are and when I'm speaking next or et cetera, et cetera. Um, otherwise, if you're big into Instagram, uh, I got late in the game on that. So it's, <laughs> it's long. Brianna underscore Lynn with two N's underscore Brown. Uh, so that's not Instagram. And then Twitter, um, I was slightly behind on Twitter, and there were a couple people that pretended to be me on Twitter, so that was interesting. Well, yeah. Um, apparently, I like Target. It was, it was a very, and not that I don't like Target, but uh, apparently I was talking about, I was my character, someone said I was going to Target a lot, so they tweeted about that. I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. So, uh, at, and, which I don't tweet about going to Target, but uh, at Brown Brianna, <laughs> don't worry, you won't be that bored, um, at, at Brown Brianna, and then on Facebook, uh, you can go to my fan page, which is Brianna Brown. I'm, I'm perplexed by this Target tweeting, that's interesting. Uh, you know, we'll... Yeah, when I first got on General Hospital, it was so bizarre, I didn't, you know, I had to have my publicist say to me, Brianna, you need to be on social media, I was like, why? late in the game and then when I did finally jump on and uh, get onto the, the Twitter platform I saw that there were like three people pretending to be me talking about things that I was doing using my picture that's I was crazy. like that's interesting wow mm -hmm. it's a little crazy um, okay Okay, those are all the places, Brianna, that people can find more information about you, but I know that you are up to some other things some charitable work, uh, let everybody know about that and how they can get more information on that uh, well, my organization is called thenewhollywood.org, and it is a philanthropic goal group, uh, and it's to, really to help inspire everyone to rise higher, shine brighter, and give back. And we do that through continued education, goal-setting techniques, support, and, uh, and obviously uh, giving back through charitable works and philanthropic events. So if you want to be kept in the loop and be included, you can just sign our um, our pledge, which is on our website, thenewhollywood.org, the pledge, and then you'll be kept in the loop with a quarterly newsletter. We're getting now to the music part, as we've been doing for this entire <laughs> East Siders Season 2 craziness. We're asking people to pick a song that they think best represents their character or maybe the series as a whole. So, Brianna Brown, what song have you right. selected? I think 
this girl is on fire. And not necessarily the empowering version of that song, which was intended, but this girl is just fiery. <laughs> so that's my version of, uh, of the, the song that en- encompasses Hillary. I think I like that. Yeah. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to go and take a listen to that song now. But before we do, Brianna, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out to chat with me about all sorts of fun things, Target, devious maids, stealing stuff from maids. It's been a great time. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I really I appreciate uh, having such a great time with you. <laughs> she's just a girl and she's on fire. Hotter than a fantasy. Lonely like a highway She's living in a world and it's on fire Filled with catastrophe But she knows she can fly away
And that will be almost all the time that we have in this week's show. Our special East Sider Season 2 kickoff premiere celebration party here on Kroll Call. There is one more song left to be played. It's my pick. It's a song that makes me think of East Siders. But before we get to that, please be sure to check out East Siders at eastsidersseries.com and follow along at TV on your Twitter machine. That's the place where you can also find all of the latest information about the series. Of course, I would like to thank Kit Williamson, Van Hansis, and Brianna Brown for dropping by and hanging out with me for the past hour for playing some really great song choices. And if you would like to hear more from Kroll Call, there is about, oh, I would say there's 300 or so episodes now in the archives that you can go and listen to any Anytime on demand. It's completely free. So if there's a past show you'd like to check out, if you miss parts of this week's show, or if you want to hear something again, please head over to CrollCall.com. Remember, the show is also available as a free download in the podcast section of iTunes. Search for Kroll Call. You can also go to our media partner, Voice America Talk Radio Network, and listen to any of our episodes there as well. So, we have now gone, oh, well over an hour or so here. If you'd like to know what my song selection is, it's one that isn't necessarily directly related to Eastsiders, the series, but I can't help but think of this song when I think of Eastsiders. It is from 1986. It's the Pet Shop Boys, West End Girls. You can sing along, you'll hear, hopefully you'll get why I picked this song, but... Remember, the next time the phone rings, whether you're on the east side or on the west end, pick it up. It could be the Kroll Call. Sometimes you're better off dead. There's a gun in your hand that's pointing at your head. You think you're mad, too unstable. Kicking in chairs and knocking down tables in a restaurant in a West End town. Call the police, there's a madman around. Running down underground to a dive bar in a West End town. In a West End town, a dead end world. The East End boys and West End girls. In a West End town, a dead end world. The East End boys and West End girls. Shadows, whispering voices, faces on posters 